Welcome to Persuasion and the Public Mind. I'm Mark Bourdine. It seems that we really couldn't talk about persuasion without including advertising. On the one hand, advertising informs us about products or services we might be interested in. And on the other, it can be tiresome due to its sheer volume and repetition. Here today to discuss some of the key ideas pertaining to the advertising process is Tim Borchers, author of Persuasion in the Media Age, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Peru State College, and a regular contributor to this podcast. So Tim, I think it might be good to start out by describing the steps involved in the advertising process, from the client's ideas to the final advertising product. You're exactly right that advertising is is all around us these days, whether we're watching television or on the internet, uh, browsing Facebook or looking at other social media. Um, Just about anywhere you look now, you can see advertising. And those those advertisements are are carefully selected, they're carefully prepared in order to target specific uh, viewers or specific audience members who they think might be uh, likely to purchase their product. So a great deal of of time and research definitely goes into into the whole advertising process. So starting with a a client's idea, the advertising agency needs to determine which audiences they think might be best to uh, purchase that product or that service. And so they, they do analysis of, of different uh, databases that they have of consumers and, and what those consumers' preferences are, uh, what those consumers have purchased in the past. There are databases out there with you know, hundreds of data points on, on each one of us. And so from that, they're able to tell you know, what this product is like and, and, and uh, what audiences might be well-suited to, to purchase that. So then they try to figure out where those audiences are. And those audiences might be on television uh, viewers. They might be people who drive by a billboard every day on their way to work. Or they might be people who, who like certain social media channels or who listen to certain uh, radio stations or, or satellite radio stations. And then they create their, their creative message uh, based on the kinds of themes that they, that they want to try to convey or that the kinds of messages that they think will be persuasive to that group. And it, it may be based, again, on those data points on, on what they know about the, the audience members. They might be able to pick certain kinds of images or use certain kinds of colors in order to, to get their point across. And then they execute the the advertisement, and then they they definitely measure whether that advertisement was effective or not. Uh, They look both at how many people were affected by the advertisement, and then they look at how many times those people responded to the message. And it's it's pretty, you know, some of it's pretty sophisticated. Some of it is, is, um, you know, pretty basic. Um, There's a a lot of... um, Companies, small businesses, for instance, use Facebook advertising, and even a a small business owner with just very little skill in in persuasion and computers is able to create messages on Facebook, track those messages to see which ones are the most effective, uh, make modifications to try to target different audiences or use different kinds of of advertisements. So there's a a great number of tools out there right now that that the average persuader can use to try to influence audiences. One of the steps you mentioned had to do with audience research, and I'd like to follow up on that a little more. How do ad agencies determine a target audience for their client, and how do they decide on the most appropriate type of media to use for advertising? Well, there are different 
tools that, that they can use. And again, they're relying on a, on a great deal of data that correlates these tools, but they can use demographics, which re- would refer to things like a, a person's uh, sex or, or, or their age, their political party affiliation. Uh, they can use psychographics, which refers to maybe how they feel about certain things or different lifestyles that they have. Um, geodemographics is another area, and that would include where they live. And so they're able to use those kinds of um, those kinds of tools to really segment the audience and divide audiences into different groups that then they can target target with different messages. And so really what they're trying to do is, is use these tools to create relationships with audience members so that the audience member identifies with them and purchases their product or their service. Then when they, when they know that, then, then they're able to really think about the social media that they want to try to use or, or whether they're using the web, uh, whether they're using some kind of a, a mobile um, communication platform. There, there's, there's ways of persuading right now that when you walk by a store, you can get a message on your phone, uh, which is a coupon to go purchase something in that store. So they're very sophisticated in that regard. Television, of course, reaches millions of people sometimes, and so it's a much more expensive uh, medium. But for some local persuaders, uh, television can be a very effective way to get your message out to a lot of people. And also, of course, newspapers are are a way for primarily local advertisers to to get their point across. And and depending on the newspaper, uh, newspaper advertising can be relatively inexpensive. Uh, Radio is still a a popular thing for for a lot of people, and and certainly satellite and Internet radio has uh, some large audiences for for different advertisers. And then out-of-home advertising, like I mentioned, billboards can be an effective way because people are trapped in their cars oftentimes for hours each day, and, and so they, they see those messages as, as they drive by. And direct mail, of course, is kind of an old-fashioned way, but, but as you probably get as much junk mail as I do, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> still a pretty effective, effective way for persuaders to, to get their point across. It seems like I get credit card offers all the time, and so, so that's a pretty effective way of trying to get people to, to read, read a message. There are several challenges to advertisers in the media age, which include the behavior of media users, audience demographics, and the advertising environment. The first challenge identified by researchers is the fact that audience members have more control over the media they are exposed to, making it harder for an advertiser to get their message across. The use of a DVR to time shift through commercial messages or grazing through other program channels while commercials are on are examples of this control. Second, media audiences have diverse interests, educations, and viewpoints, meaning they are not content to gather around the same type of media programming. In some cases, cable channels or streaming video could target niche audiences better than broadcast networks. And this can make it more of a challenge for advertisers to find the right audience for their product or service. Finally, for an advertiser to persuade an audience, they must be able to capture an audience member's attention. Today, there are more advertisers and media outlets to advertise in than ever before, creating what researchers and advertising executives call clutter. Clutter can be defined as the amount of time devoted to non-program content. We can think of clutter as the amount of advertising during a given time period, 
or the similarity of advertising appearing together during the same commercial break. We can also think of it as the degree to which advertisements disrupt regular programming, fewer commercial breaks being less intrusive than many breaks during a program. Any of these clutter variables result in a more negative attitude toward advertising in general. Advertisers have tried to develop ways to compensate for the challenges posed by the media age. Tim Borchers picks up the story from here. So there are a lot of different challenges, as you mentioned, for persuaders in the, in the media age. And so they've developed some pretty clever and sophisticated ways of breaking through some of those challenges to try to reach us. Uh, one way is, is the power of branding. And a uh, brand refers to the visual and verbal elements of a product, service, or corporation. It's really that what that what that product or service or company symbolizes, what the meaning of that is for, for audience members. So if I say Microsoft, you probably have a feeling or an idea that comes to mind. Or if I say McDonald's, you might, you might have a certain feeling that comes to mind. And that, that's developed over time. It's developed oftentimes through uh, very mass-mediated kinds of persuasion like television advertising to create those, those images, to create those feelings for a brand. Uh, but but definitely the, the persuaders are trying to get you to think about their brand first so that if I say hamburger company, uh, you probably have a particular one that comes to mind uh, first for you. And that would be one that we say has brand salience because it's the one that you think about first. Uh, if, if you if you think about brand image, that's the ideas that consumers have about a particular brand. So if I say uh, Burger King, for instance, you might think flame broiled, you might think uh, summer grilling, uh, different things like that. And that's trying to help uh, build that image so that you might be likely to go go there to get a hamburger. They also try to position their brands so that uh, it's seen as in relationship to other people. So using celebrities, for instance, to support or promote a certain brand tries to position that brand so that people associate good things with that company because they associate good things with the uh, celebrity who's endorsing it. And, and obviously, they're trying to really reinforce the image of a brand uh, repeatedly through uh, similar types of advertisements, whether you're reading about it in a newspaper or magazine, seeing it on social media or seeing it on television. They're, they're really trying to present a consistent uh, image of that brand so people come away with a strong feeling about it. So branding is one way, and, that, and that's been with us for, for quite a while. Some of the other more newer ones might include cross-promotion. And that's where companies work together to um, to brand each other's products and, and try to build on that. Oftentimes, movies will do something in conjunction with a fast food restaurant, for instance. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to get a, a cup from McDonald's that's a cup for a movie that's out. So they try to try to really um, almost double up their their advertising, double up their efforts. But again, it's trying to use the positive feelings that you feel about one brand and trying to translate that to another brand as well. So that would be cross-promotion. Okay. Product placement is another way, and that's really clever, in that they actually put products that are real products in fictional movies or television shows. So if you're if you're watching a TV show and you see an Apple computer there, uh, that could definitely be that Apple paid that company or that that show to put their computer there so that so that it receives some some recognition and some some advertising. So it's kind of like advertising that you don't really think of as advertising because it just appears real naturally within the show. Sure. 
And then relationship marketing is, is something that, uh, that I mentioned a little bit earlier. And that's, that's really kind of an overarching uh, way where advertisers are trying to uh, build relationships with the people who might purchase their products. So they try to identify with them. Uh, they try to use all kinds of, of methods to uh, make the make the uh, make the audience members see them and understand them. They try to distinguish themselves from other companies that are similar. So uh, you know, think about like your local heating and and air conditioning company, and and think about some of the different advertisements that you might see on television, and you can. Think about the ones that they try to distinguish themselves by being friendly, by being timely, by not charging you to come after hours. So those are how they how they try to distinguish that. And then the interaction that they have. So the the local uh, plumbing company might have um, the one of the owners might be featured in the advertisements to try to get you to really uh, see who they are on kind of a personal area. And then they, they try to customize what it is that they're trying to sell to, to really reach just the right audience members. So, they're, so they uh, have really specific products that they might offer, pretty specific services that they might offer. So again, it's just really trying to cut through that clutter where you form a, a personal relationship with that company so that you purchase their services. So branding, cross-promotion, product placement, relationship marketing, those are all ways that advertisers are u- using to try to cut through the clutter. Most of us assume that the goal of advertisers is to sell the products or services they are advertising. And to some extent, this is what happens. But you write that advertising's most profound effect on consumers is in creating a culture that values the pursuit of certain lifestyles. So I'm wondering if you can expand on that idea for us. Well, I think advertising is, is always trying to create an, an image and trying to get people to, to live up to that image. Um, and if you, if you go way back to the, to the history, the beginning of advertising, when they first came out and started selling deodorant, for instance, people really never were concerned about how they smelled. That was just the way people were. But as soon as, as, soon as we came out with advertisements that, that showed us how we needed to smell good and that we needed to do this, then it became more of a cultural norm and a cultural norm based on based on what an advertiser was trying to sell us. So that's, that's kind of a, a pretty basic example, uh, but you can just think about how much money people spend to uh, drive the best cars or, or wear the nicest clothing, uh, things that, that we think we need to do in order to be part of the mainstream culture. And, and it's something that, that persuaders definitely have a vested interest in because they're, they're trying to, to make money. And so they come up with uh, increasingly clever advertisements. And I think as, as we've talked through just in general, uh, persuasive in the media age, it's it's a sophisticated um, approach that's that's used these days. Uh, oftentimes, when we're scrolling through our Facebook feeds, we don't we're not even aware that we're being persuaded to, uh, but we're definitely being persuaded to, and and we certainly buy into certain things that we see. And I think the the effects on children can be particularly uh, extensive as well, because children don't always have all the the right tools that they need in order to be able to detect what's a a credible message, what's not a credible message, what's a message that's in their best interest. Um, Recent lawsuit that was filed against the the Juul e-cigarette maker claiming that they were using uh, advertising targeting kids that, that was inappropriate. And, and so they were taken to court for, for how, they were, how they were targeting kids in a, in a particular way. So I think just all of this raises, raises questions that, that we need to think about in terms of how do we build our, our defenses so that we know uh, what 
strategies are being used so we know what we're being how we're being created as audiences and then what what effect that has on our on our beliefs and values and and really looking out to 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 teach our children how to use uh, media literacy strategies so that they're effective at being able to decode some of these things as well. Thanks again to Tim Borchers for his insights today. If you're interested in digging deeper into this topic, I highly recommend the books and videos listed under the episode description. Persuasion and the Public Mind is available most anywhere you get your podcasts and always on the web at anchor.fm forward slash persuasion. Thanks for listening. See you next time.